Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sexual Assault and Canada's Justice System. So five members, as you know, of the 2018 Team Canada Juniors on Monday faced their first day in court on sexual assault charges. We're now going to speak with a guest who just weeks ago saw the conclusion of her court case as complainant in a sexual assault case. What was it like? What's the experience like for the complainant with our justice system? So we cannot name our guests, can't use her real name, we'll use a, um, a substitute name because of a court-imposed publication ban. We will call our guest Michelle. Michelle, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for doing this. Yes, absolutely. It's really, really important because I, I know from conversations I've had over the years with women who've told me they've been sexually assaulted, they're not sure whether they should come forward. They're not sure whether the police or the justice system, the crown attorneys, the courts, the judges, the juries will be fair to them. So I think it's important, again, important that we have a chance to talk to you. Um, also, with this is uh, back with us is Jacob Jake Jessen, principal at Rotenberg Shedlowski Jessen LLP in Toronto. Mr. Jessen deals with uh, many sexual assault cases, and he is Michelle's lawyer as well. Jake, thank you. How are you? Afternoon, Roy. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for asking, Michelle. Was was it difficult for you to uh, decide to report your assault? Yeah, it was. It was extremely difficult. Um, the sexual assault happened in 2019 in the fall. And um, for me, it was with an intimate partner that I had been with for 20 years. And it was extremely difficult to come forward. And I didn't end up doing so until um, 2022 when I was fully out of the house. Um, there's a lot of... Um, feelings that one has, you know, before you, you go and report such, such a thing happening to you. Um, and I think the first is that you really have to wrap your own head around what happened because um, it's, it's a really hard thing to admit to yourself, number one. And in my particular situation, because there was interpartner violence and um, two children from that relationship, um, I was really concerned about the effect on my kids of coming forward and not necessarily thinking about myself. Yeah. What do you tell the kids? So, um, well, they, they don't know anything because um, eventually I did separate from their father. And, you know, I have them with me this weekend and they're happily watching Netflix as I'm taking this call outside in my vehicle. <laughs> so they, they don't you know, hear uh, any of that. Luckily for, for my boys, they didn't witness any of it. Um, they certainly heard fighting throughout the years, but, you know, they didn't witness the sexual assaults and the assaults that, that did occur. Um, so I, I do keep them sheltered from that. How would you, um, how would you assess how you were treated by uh the justice system, when you did come forward, starting with the police and then with the Crown, mm -hmm. how, how were you treated? 
Yeah, um, you know, going to the police, it, it really helps having, I chose to um, consult um, with my lawyer first because I just really wanted to understand the ramifications of coming forward and what that would mean in my particular situation, especially with the children, right? So once I understood that, I felt comfortable to come forward. And for me, it was extremely therapeutic. Um, in my first meeting with the police, they first come to your house or you, you choose to report it. You give a summary of the, the events that occurred that you're, you're reporting. And then I had to go in and do a formal statement. And going into the station and doing a formal statement, you know, it does feel a little bit more intimidating because you're making something that was so um, traumatic. You know, you're bringing it to life. You're, you're telling somebody it's becoming public. Um, you're, you're providing the statement um, as best you can, you know, in terms of giving as much detail as you possibly can. Um, but, you know, Initially going to police, I, I definitely felt a little bit more comfortable throughout the process. The detective, um, uh, there's only certain types of officers that receive training and, and they're able to handle the situation a little bit more appropriately um, so that you, you can feel comfortable to disclose things. So that, that in itself was, was pretty therapeutic and it, it felt good to tell somebody and um, to explain what had happened. Okay. So, so your lawyer is, uh, is, a, is our other guest, uh, Jacob Jake uh, Jessen. Mr. Jessen's been on this program uh, several times recently with the, as far as the Team Canada Juniors story is concerned. Uh, and I know, Jake, if we get close to the line about what we can and cannot say because of the, um, the, court, the court situation, the court decision, you will, you will alert us to this. But uh, I'd, I'd like to, um, we'll have to take a break in two minutes, but then I want to step aside and have you talk to each other, please, and, and, and share with us what, 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 you know, what happened. But f- for you, as a, as a criminal lawyer who deals with sexual assault cases quite regularly, what's the most important consideration for someone who has been sexually assaulted, female or male, it does happen to men, What's the most important consideration? How do you approach it as a criminal lawyer? I think what's interesting is that, uh, and I know we're limited in time, but I'll just mention that right now there's a program that's been around for a couple of years. If people Google independent legal advice for survivors, just uh, push that in, you'll get, there's an actual voucher. The Ontario government gives people an opportunity uh, for up to four hours of free legal advice with a number of criminal lawyers who are on the list or civil lawyers who are on the list to really inform themselves. Uh, and make themselves, uh, you know, have, have that the information available to them about what's involved in going to the police, uh, the process. And I think that's really a, a key change uh, in how things are uh, being looked at in the justice system now. We're really trying to, you know, give people some assurances and information before they come forward. Uh, and that's like the first step, making sure that they're able and, and prepared and understand the process that it's easier for them right from the outset. Uh, and I'm sure there's lots more to say on that. <laughs> yeah. There for now. yeah. Is it fairly standard? Uh, and I don't want to just say there's a cookie-cutter approach to anything uh, significant as sexual assault, but is it standard for victims of sexual assault to just not say anything for a considerable period of time, potentially, and then eventually saying, I, I, I just can't live with this anymore. I have to, I have to step forward. 
Yeah, we've, we've come a long way in our understanding over the last couple of decades uh, in, in terms of the ideology of how uh, complainants come forward. And, you know, there used to be this notion that if you didn't come forward right away, that it was an, uh, an issue of credibility. And, and now, not so much. We, we now accept that uh, the, the survivor experience, uh, the victim experience is completely different for everyone and people react differently to all sorts of different traumas and, and situations. And, and we don't necessarily you know, we look we look at a, a more of a holistic approach as opposed to simply saying just because you didn't come forward. So it is pretty typical for uh, many people, uh, you know, to to wait some time before they come forward to wait until they're ready uh, for all sorts of reasons uh, that exist. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty normal. Can can I just ask the two of you to just talk to each other, and we'll just eavesdrop on on what is most memorable. Um, about the experience once you're dealing with the authorities, Michelle and, and uh, Jake is your lawyer and uh, and now and now you're in court or heading to court. Let me get out of the way and ask you to talk to each other, please. Sure. Perhaps, perhaps Michelle, maybe I can ask you because maybe this will be of some assistance to some of the listeners out there. And I, I you know, we hear a lot about how traumatic uh, the experience is going to court <laughs> and there's a lot of sort of that notion out there. And perhaps you can talk about uh, sort of what helped you get through it or what advice you would give to people coming forward uh, in terms of facing, uh, you know, the justice system and and attending court and and, uh, how you address that. Sure. In my in my particular situation, um, I did have independent legal advice. So that helped me prepare for the trial in the sense of what you expect. Uh, the Crown does meet with you, and you are assigned a victim's worker assistant, like a, a VWAP worker. So it's a, a worker that um, can answer all of your questions and that are sometimes with you during the day of the trial and keep you it, um, knowledgeable of, of everything that's happening and leading up to the trial. Um, so that's great. But I think what what was kind of shocking for me to find out is, I mean, you hear about the crown, the crown's representing the case for the people, but you yourself are a victim. So what was what was an interesting moment was when I received notice of the trial and I was subpoenaed and it had my name on the subpoena to appear as a witness. And so even the wording of that and, and, and looking at the form you think, well, this happened to me. I was the victim, you know, the, of, of this crime, but the Crown's calling me as a witness. So I think it's, um, it was, it was just, it, it took me a moment to wrap my head around that um, because the Crown is there just to represent the case, not to re- represent you. So I think seeking independent legal advice, either through the voucher program or if you have resources to do it on your own, that's great. I was, I was lucky enough to have that. Um, and just to be having that that time to to prepare and know what to expect, because what you're being asked to do in trial is in a very public forum, describe the most horrific things that have happened to you. Right. And, and then to be questioned and cross examined on them. And it's it's um, it's not a great feeling being in court, I have to say. Um, but. Overall, it wasn't as as horrible as as I thought it would be. It was definitely um, traumatic because you're dealing with all the details of what happened, and it's it's quite public. So and just to be prepared. 
Sure. And perhaps you can talk a bit about sort of your mindset going into trial, like preparing uh, and sort of how to, you know, what you were thinking, you know, the morning of trial and, and how, how you faced those, uh, that anticipation or then, you know, about what you were going to experience. Yeah, um, I think just going over um, the chain of events, what, you know, you'll have a chance to do that with the Crown and, and, and sometimes with your private lawyer so that you can re- remember exactly what happened, like all of the details, right? Because you will be pressed on the details. And for a lot of people, it is a historic charge. Like you are, you know, it takes some time from, from my scenario, like from my own experience, it took some time to come forward. And um, it also takes some time before you actually um, are able to get to a trial. So it's good to refresh your memory with with the details. Um, The trial was in 2023. um, And, you know, um, the sexual assault for me happened in the fall of 2019. So it is good to immerse yourself in in that and any sort of evidence that you've provided the police in terms of dates and exactly what that was. Um, So throughout that process, I think that prepares you for what to expect. Um, And just to know that you will be questioned heavily by the defense. Um, And it's not your best day. You, you don't, it's not something that, that feels good because you're sharing something very personal and very traumatic that happened to you. And, you know, the defense's job is to discredit you and poke holes in, in, in your memory and your story and the way that people remember trauma. Sometimes there, there are blanks and, um, you just need to be prepared for that. And okay. Can I can I just jump in uh, simply because again, it's always a question of time. Uh, Michelle, did you feel that you were treated fairly by the system? Um, that's hard to say. I, I I did provide evidence to the police in 2022, right? And unfortunately, it didn't make it to the crown until maybe you know, four business days before trial. And that was in 2023. Okay. So no, I think the, the ball was dropped in terms of um, some of the evidence okay. that have come forward in the disclosure. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 